Hello and welcome to The Connection, a new podcast from Connect Global. I'm Javier Mendoza, co-founder and vice president of Connect Global. We're excited to be using this new platform to be more connected with you. The Connection will be broken down into three sections. Founders Corner, which will be an ongoing conversation between the co-founders of Connect Global. Global Neighborhood, which will be a mix of interviews from around the world from our partners and friends. Life Talks, which is a place to hear and connect with our team and to hear the most recent talks that we've given on the gospel, missions, and our place in the Great Commission. I sincerely hope that you will favorite or bookmark our channel and please come back often to hear new conversations, new interviews, and all of the discussions. Let's get to it. Hey guys, this is Travis Moffitt. I am the president and co-founder of Connect Global, and I want to welcome you to this segment of the Global Neighborhood. We have such a great treat today. We're going to be talking with Dr. Mitch Arbelize. Give you a little bit of background on Mitch. Uh, Mitch holds a doctorate's degree uh, in leadership and global perspectives from George Fox University. He holds a master's degree in missiology from Regent University. He spent uh, several years as a youth pastor at Wichita Christian Center in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, then from 2000 to 2008, he served as the senior pastor at Church at the Cross, also in Wichita, Kansas. And now, since 2007 uh, to currently, he is the interna- an international mobilizer, trainer, consultant, as well as the director of Global Pathways for a missions organization called Go To Nations. Uh, Mitch has been married to his wife, Michelle, for, as he puts it, 27 years, 6 months, 9 days, 14 hours, and 24 minutes as of right now. And they have four beautiful children, JK, who's 21. Brianna, who's 18, Jaden, who's 13, and Elisa, who is 11 years old. Mitch, welcome to the Global Neighborhood. Hey, man, brother, thank you so much for having me today with y'all. You bet, man. It's an honor to get to chat with you. You and I have had uh, the privilege of traveling together and doing some ministry work together and just getting to hang out. And uh, as we're launching this uh, program, uh, this podcast segment here on the Anchor Channel, Um, We're calling The Connection, and in this specific segment uh, that we call Global Neighborhood, I thought, man, who better to start off with? This is actually our first uh, conversation like this. Who better to start off with than Dr. Mitch Arbelize? So, brother, let's jump right into the content here because I know you've got a lot to say. I know you've got a busy schedule, uh, but I know you've got a lot to really impart uh, to our listeners today regarding missions and the Great Commission. So uh, let me ask you this. You've been involved in missions as a as a career, you know, as I say, a full time missionary, full time minister, uh, but specifically in missions uh, for many, many years. But can you tell us when was your first international missions trip? Well, that trip was uh, back in 1994 when I was going through my uh, master's in divinity and missiology, and I was invited by my professor who uh, also was the president of AIMS, Dr. Howard Fultz. AIMS is the Association for International Mission Strategy or Advancing uh, International Mission Strategies. And he invited me to come to Malaysia to be a recording student as part of my degree, and that would be one of my classes. So 
Penang, Malaysia we went to for this. Uh, we landed in Kuala Lumpur and then traveled up. And I sat there under the giants of people who were doing, right at that moment, mission into China. Wow, man. I bet you that was an awesome trip. How long were you guys there in Malaysia? About a week and a half. Uh, we had a AIMS representative by the name of uh, T. Uh, T. Kwok and his wife, and they allowed us to stay at their home. And then we traveled up to the conference, and the conference about a four-day conference there uh, in in Penang, Malaysia. Wow, man, that's awesome. Now, you you said you took this trip to Malaysia as your first international missions trip while you were already pursuing a master's degree in in missiology. So. Maybe let me back up even before that. When did you know that you would work in missions full time, or if we could say it this way, when did when did when would you say you heard God's calling on your heart to to pursue work in missions? Well, when I got called to the ministry, it was really a divine moment where I knew that the Lord wanted me to uh, get involved in ministry. I didn't know it was missions. I didn't know it was what exactly it was, but.、Um, That day, when I was sitting in my church, the the speaker who happened to be Dick Eastman from Every Home for Christ, and he was just speaking about you know his thing. And at the very end, he mentioned something, and he said, "While I was in Bible college, blah 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 blah,、well, I didn't hear anything else after that. I went Bible college. Now you got to remember, I just got saved at 18 years of age. I, I got radically saved, turned around, my life was a mess,、uh, and、uh, God met me, and and His love just Expounded my heart to the degree that man, I just wanted to do everything Jesus. You know, I started reading the Bible and everything. So I didn't even know there was a thing called Bible college. But man, when that he said that, it welled a desire up in my heart, and I said, "Yeah, I, I want to go to Bible college. What, what is that like? I want to study the Bible full time." And so before I could turn to my girlfriend, who was just my girlfriend at the time, later to become my wife, Michelle,、uh, I began to weep. And when I looked at her, she was weeping. And it was just a profound descension of spirit upon our lives, right there. I went down front and I prayed. I said, "Lord, are you are you calling me into the ministry? Because you know, I I was in pre med. I was in my third year. I was already looking at medical schools as a possibility. I was uh, searching uh, for all that. And I said, 'Lord, I got to know.' And Travis, I tell you, I heard the words louder than if you spoke them. They were felt in my spirit. And the Lord said, 'I'm calling you to preach my word.'" As it, and so I changed everything, and that's when I ended up at Regent. Wow! And so, when I was at Regent, I didn't know anything about missions. All I was going to do was go practical theology. I was going to be a traveling evangelist because I loved、uh, leading people to Jesus. I loved preaching and teaching, and, and I didn't really understand anything about missions. All I knew is when missionaries came to my church, my,、uh, Michelle and I would always go. Would always look at these missionaries. Man, that is just so awesome what they do. We'd weep and cry. We thought everybody was doing that. But we didn't even know that that was the missionary call in our lives that was bubbling up. So, after my first year, entire first year, have not taken a mission class, didn't know anything about missions. I was, you know,、uh, treading through deep waters of Greek and and hermeneutics and and all this kind of stuff. Well, I looked downstairs in the lobby. I was on the second floor, and, I, and there was all these booths set up. And I said, "Hey, what's what's going on down there?" They go, "It's a missions conference." A missions conference. Now, my church never had missions conferences. They just had people come and speak. I went, man, missions conference. Okay, I'll go check this out. 
so I went downstairs and I started hearing about unreached people groups and people who don't have the Bible in their own language. And I meant, man, I thought, I thought everybody had the Bible. And I thought everybody at least heard Jesus. All it was now was try to convince them and, and, and kind of, you know, win them to Jesus kind of thing. And so I went in and I heard uh, uh, his name was Law, Terry Law, I think the name was, great missions guy. And I heard missions. I said, man, I haven't even taken a missions class. So it was at the start of the new semester. I went up and I changed my um, courses to get missions. And it happened to be the perspective of Christian, the World Christian Perspective course. So I, I took that perspective course. And, and that, my friend, I sat in that class. And there was visiting uh, missionaries who came and taught different sections of that class. And one of the brothers was sitting there talking about how he smuggled Bibles into communist Russia. And, and at that moment, I just spoke and I said, man, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. And so out of that class, I changed my whole direction, changed my degree, went to my, the dean of students, said, hey, I, I, I want to change from practice theology to missiology. I want to do this. I don't know how. I don't know when. I, I, this is what I want to do. So that's what began our course in that. Man, <clears throat> that's incredible. So such a neat way that God sort of weave different components, you know, hearing the speaker, hearing the call to, to Bible college, and then how God just sort of layered in missions in over that. Uh, that's amazing. Let me ask you this now. You were working with the missions organizations, and then you became a senior pastor of a church. Uh, how did that role as a senior pastor, how did that help you in pursuing your, your, your calling into missions? Absolutely. Well, I believe one of the first things that I can say that comes to my mind when you ask that question is, is confidence. Uh, to realize that that my ministry was going to be much more than just a local church. Uh, but the, working working with the local church allowed me to establish the understanding that man, there's a lot of people who don't have you know understanding. Here I was as a as a you know divinity student studying missions uh, or just studying theology thinking I was going to be some type of, uh, you know, uh, accessor to the church. I didn't really want to be a pastor. That was not my call. I, you know, I really wanted to just, you know, help the church somehow. I did love youth ministry, and I loved uh, the idea of traveling and evangelizing. And here I was doing all that and didn't know about missions. So you think about the average person in the pew who doesn't have access to the education, the professors, the input that I was getting, and they're definitely not going to get the vision for missions. So when I became youth pastor and I, and I was so passionate about missions, we began, you know, moving the youth ministry and we took uh, five teams into China. We took uh, into South Korea. We took teams after teams into Mexico. And so then our youth ministry was exploding and we were loving and we were doing missions. And I was working with China Harvest there based out of uh, Wichita, Kansas. And then the, the, the senior pastor left. And so I was, I was, you know, the youth pastor. So we began looking for a new pastor, and by divine providence, all the elders began to say, Mitch, we want you to take over the, the senior pastor role. And so I took that on, and so as I began to minister to this church, I realized, man, I, it's, it's much more difficult to incorporate missions into a church than I had ever thought it was going to be. Uh, but that gave me the understanding and the opportunity to, to work missions into that church. You know, and to teach them that we got to understand unreached people groups, we got to understand uh, the Great Commission, we got to go beyond our four walls and beyond our community 
that we have to do things locally and globally at the same time. And so I think that really, those, those seven and a half years where I was the lead pastor, man, gave me, you know, confidence in my preaching ability, teaching ability, but more, it just gave me the understanding that the church as a whole needs the mobilization of missions and into the DNA of the church. Mitch, you made a real interesting statement there, uh, and, and I don't know if, if all, all of our listeners may or may not have caught this as a full-time missionary myself, uh, and you and I have had this conversation even before. Uh, I, I heard this um, through the perspective of, of a missionary, but you said it was harder to work missions into a local church than I thought it would be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as a as a Christian, we would almost assume, or maybe even as a missionary, would almost assume that the church would be focused on missions and focused on the Great Commission. Um, but you and I have have experienced that 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 that's not always the case. And you know me, I'm not a let's go beat up the church kind of guy. I love the church uh, globally. Um, I love my local church and all that. But I wanted to just come back and, and just maybe hear a few more thoughts that you might have on this statement. It was harder to work missions into the church than I thought it would be. Can can you flesh that out a little bit? Can you describe that for us a little bit? Absolutely. Um, I, I think it has to go back, uh, Travis, to the to the type of upbringing. You know, we talk about a child's upbringing, and then they hadn't been taught certain things. Let's say, you know, backwards backwoods person hasn't been taught manners of an up class hotel or place, and so we got to. We got to reteach or, or put something into them that has, that's been default or defective or not at all present in their upbringing. I think it's the same thing with Christians. When we disciple Christians, we, we put into them, man, you got to study the Bible, memorize Scripture. You got to you got to you know witness to the lost. You got to you know uh, help your marriage and raise your kids right and everything like that. And that's all great and true, and it's all wonderful. But one of the main things that we have lacked in discipling people within the local church is, is the issue of the Great Commission. So, you know, as we talk about uh-huh. going to all, suddenly what happens is people in the local church look at that as a special call to a chosen few. And, and that's really not mm. me and my call. That, that's not for me or my children or my family. That, that is something for those other guys, like the Travises and the Mitches who are getting degrees out there and studying missions and going to other nations and learning languages, and that, that's other people. But me, I, I'm supposed to be concentrating on memorizing my scripture, helping my kids through school, being a good Christian, doing my duty, serving in a local church, being a deacon, you know, uh, things like that. And they don't connect the fact that they're, as a Christian, called to the same Great Commission as, as those who are going so they, they don't understand that the Great Commission is for everyone, not just for these chosen few out there. And so that's what I believe is we've got to re-disciple, re-teach, re-motivate, and we actually have to, have to mobilize the local church into understanding that everyone is called to missions. Now, Mitch, you use this phrase, the Great Commission. Can you, can you explain to us what is the Great Commission? I mean, what, what does that phrase mean? Some of our listeners may or may not have ever heard that, that phrase. Hey, that, that is not an all a bad question or an ignorant question because statistics show that 70% uh, of, of pastors, get this, of pastors doesn't, can't even formulate what the Great Commission is in a nutshell. 
uh, you know, some people begin to answer, well, it's wow. to build a good church, to reach the lost, it's to help the poor. We got social evangelism out there, and, and we got to, you know, we got to touch people's lives and help marriages, and, and suddenly we got all these great things out there, but, but we think that's the Great Commission. No, the, the Great Commission is very succinctly, very put. It's, it's not in our Bibles, that word Great Commission. We named it that because it, it was the one and last commission that Jesus gave his disciples. It, you know, we read it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but uh, it's all, what I teach, it's, it's all over the Old and the New Testament. That man, God wants his glory to be spread through all the earth. That is the essence of the Great Commission, that all nations will come to glorify God. So in the book of Matthew, which is a typical one, Matthew 28, 19, 20, God says, you know, Jesus is tell, talking to disciples, and he says, Now, go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth, or the ends of the world. Now, what, what this is saying to us is, is that we need to go, and I love what Dr. Jerry, who's been my mentor for these last 10 uh, years that I've worked with him, traveling around the world, and, and we have this cycle of discipleship, uh, discipleship cycle. So what Jesus says to his disciples, go. The question is why? Oh, make disciples. That's why you go. Where do we go? We go to all nations. Well, how do we do this discipleship? Teach my command. And then we say, well, what is that command? Which is what? To go. You see? And then it goes back to why? Make disciples. Where? <laughs> yeah. All nations. And so the problem is, as I said earlier, in our discipleship of Christians in the local church, we have not taught them that one of the main commands that Jesus gives is to go. Go into all yeah. the nations, teach the command, and what is that command? To keep going. And you know, you and I've been around the world, and I've I've sat in nations that that man, they're they're Christian, they're wonderful, they're God, man. They they got they got scripture everywhere. They got um, you know, uh, clinics that are named after Christian symbols. They got taxis and buses with names of Christianity all over them. And and, and man, the churches are wonderful. The preaching is good. The music is awesome. But then what happens when you go to talk about missions? Oh, no, no, no. We're the mission field. We're, we're the mission field. You know, the missionaries come mm. to us. You know, uh, I, ha I had one brother from Kenya who stand up and he said it. He said that the Western white man came to our nations and taught us about Jesus. But he didn't teach us about missions, that we could be missionaries, that we could go just as he came, we could now go. And so this is the, this is the wow. problem in back discipleship. We don't teach discipleship 101 is, hey, we need to be going. You know, and, and if you look back at the Greek of that Matthew 28, is as you go. Yeah, in your going day in, day out, you're going to go to the grocery store, you're going to go to the, the malls, you're going to go to the workout places and do your bench pressing and stuff like that. And, and so you should be making relationships and building connections and sharing Jesus as you go. But then there has to be an an intensity in our going that, hey, we got a call to all nations. So how are we getting that done? You know, we go around our local area, and, and you know, churches are doing a decent job in that. I'm not going to fault any church for that. We've got great outreaches. You know, my daughters and I go to downtown on Wednesday mornings and, and help our church reach out to the homeless there. That's part of the local church's job. But then the next part, as equally important, is 
how are we reaching the Afghanistan in Afghanistan? How are we reaching the Pakistan and and, and and Pakistan? How are we reaching all these nations that have yet to hear of the gospel of Jesus Christ? So the go. Mitch, let me let the, me let's talk about that too. Uh, let me talk about that specifically on some of the nations you just mentioned, um, because right there where you're at, I think is is so important. Uh, and, and let's give our listeners a little bit of lead in. You were the senior pastor of the church until 2008, and then now for the last 10 years, you've been with GoTo Nations, right? Correct. GoTo Nations out of, out of Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, and your title there says that you are the Latin American Director of Global Pathways. In a nutshell, tell everybody what Global Pathways is. Well, just as we've been talking about the local church, and, and my love and affinity for the local church, having pastored in it for many years and uh, being involved in it shortly after I got saved and, uh, you know, have, coming to the Lord through a revival that was at a local church. I have a great love for the local church. But I also have a great love and passion for the, for the mission, uh, for mission field and, and, and missionaries and, and, and definitely getting the word of God to the nations that have yet to keep. Well, Global Pathways is a curriculum that's been developed over the years by Dr. Jerry Williamson, and it is being now translated into five different languages, and it's specifically made to help a local church understand everything that we've been talking about this morning, how they're called to missions, how everyone has a local and global call at the same time, how to get missions in the DNA, how to have a missions conference, how to, ha- how to organize your mission budget, all these very practical steps. It's not just a a time when we come up and do a cheerleading kind of thing and a pep rally uh, regarding missions and, and talk about the Bible and missions. Yeah, we do that. But at the same time, it gets down to the nitty-gritty of, okay, now when I leave this conference, I have a one, two, three, two, ten step plan how to get missions involved in my DNA down in the very core of a church. And that, that's what Global Pathways is. So you were saying that it's hard to work missions or harder to work missions into a local church than you thought. Here's Now you're with GoTo Nations. Here's Global Pathways, which is uh, a, a, an amazing curriculum. I've been through the training several times. I'm a certified teacher in that training and have loved learning from yourself and Dr. Jerry. So now here's Global Pathways, which gives – uh, you know, some handles, if you will, a very practical training for the local church, but then specifically your particular role at GoToNations is as the Latin American director. So kind of looping back to what you were talking about uh, before of taking the gospel not just locally but into all nations. You mentioned Afghanistan. You mentioned Pakistan. Why are Latinos so important to the Great Commission? Why would you say, okay, I, I love this program of Global Pathways, but I'm going to focus in Latin America? What's the, what's the significant value there? Man, Latin America is so strategic in bringing the, the, the in a sense, almost the final push to the Great Commission. Uh, Dr. Fultz, who I sat mm-hmm. under for many years, I call him, you know, Professor Closure, because he always used to talk about the closure of the Great Commission. How do we get to closure? And, and, and Dr. Jerry Williamson, the same way. We need to rise, raise up the Latin American churches to understand their mission potential. And, and, and so they've been receiving, especially from the West and particularly from the United States, uh, we're, we're just above all those nations right down there on the map. And so 
when we go into all these nations and we see, man, they are powerful, powerful in so many ways. They got better evangelistic percentages in some of those countries than, than America does, than the United States. And so we look at them and go, man, are, why aren't we moving these radical uh, potential missionaries and churches to reach the unreached where we have yet to go? And, 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 and so that's my great call, my great desire to see this great potential tapped and, and mobilized for the nations. But specifically, Latin Americans make great Middle Eastern missionaries because of several things, Travis. They have a similar cultural heritage. I mean, I, I was raised Latino, half and half kind of thing. I came from Colombia, and, and I understand the very strong, dominant male figure, which is the same in the Islamic cultures and the Middle Eastern cultures. Uh, uh, languagely, uh, linguistically, we're talking that there's the, the linguistic foamings, how we pronounce our words like a K and a C and a T. Those type of things are very similar between the Spanish language and many of the Middle Eastern languages like Farsi and Arabic and things like that, that 3,000 Spanish words are already have an Arabic origin. When the Ottoman Empire invaded Spain and they intermingled, and we, the, 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 uh, the, it's interesting that the, that the animosity between the Muslim and the, and the United States specifically, the Western world, is not so much there present between the, the Islamic people and the Spanish people, because, because the past of the Ottoman Empire, they, they considered the Spanish people to be distant cousins. So with the 3,000 wow. words, the cultural heritage, with the similar uh, 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 climates even and financial situations of many people in the Middle Eastern and many people within the uh, Latin American region, and, and, and then you add to that, the, the similar look and color of hair, eyes, and skin, that they're not going to stick out like a, like, like a, a, a blonde, blue-eyed, white United States American. You know, these people can, can go to these countries and, and, and dress like them, and they fit in so much better. And they're going to learn and pronounce the words easier, and they're going to be able to acclimate to the climate a lot easier. And then, and then with a similar look is very important when we think that the, when we understand the fact that Many of these Middle Eastern nations are closed to foreign missionaries, especially those from Western countries, European and United States. So you have these Latin Americans who, hey, they'll accept their distant cousins. They speak a little bit of the language. They, 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 they live similar situations and uh, conditions that we live in. Man, let's, let's bring them in. Hey, we'll welcome them. No problem. So, therefore, you get passports from, from Peru and Argentina, Colombia, Mexico, Guatemala, not as – as scrutinized as you would a United States passport. So these, these wow. missionaries from Latin American countries are incredibly, incredibly strategic, and they are a great hope for us in reaching these nations, what we consider in the 1040 window, these, these nations who have the most unreached people groups, and, and there are, majority of them are Muslims. And so to be able to get in those Middle Eastern nations, Latinos are very strategic for that purpose. Well, so if I'm if I'm sitting here, I'm I'm you know, I'm a white guy, North American, US citizen, US passport, and I'm hearing this, you know, maybe I'm hearing you say that instead of thinking of, you know, Hondurans, for example, as just the 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 poor people in need of my um you know, my philanthropy maybe to see them as my missional partners who, if I could get behind them, support them, train them, teach them, help them with the missional information maybe that I have received, 
that strategically we could start sending uh, these Latinos from Latin America, Central America, South America into the Arabic world for greater impact? Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Now, we don't want to discourage any what we call Anglo-Saxon white American thinking, well, I, you know, I, I don't have any place to go. Absolutely not. There is still a need for that United States born, bred, raised uh, missionary to go into all the world. Absolutely. That is not to discount that. But when we look at the Latino... And let's, let's clarify that, too. Even by North American, North American passport, we're not just saying that... Uh, I want to be real clear on this. We're not just saying that, you know, white people are called to missions. Missions is not a a racial discriminating thing, uh, regardless of, of background, African-American, Caucasian, you know, Hispanic, Hispanic-American, Indian-American, whatever the, the national background is, there are political challenges between traveling on a U.S. passport into certain parts of the world. A U.S. passport can get you into most countries in the world, but there are certain certainly certain countries in the world where a U.S. passport, regardless then of your racial background, it's going to be very difficult. Whereas a person on a Guatemalan passport, a person on a Honduran passport, a person on a Costa Rican passport, Cuban passport can get into these countries. Then when you tie in the, the nationality backgrounds, like you described, the, the language uh, connections between the Arabic language uh, and the Spanish language, and you tie in the, the historical backgrounds of the conquering of, of Spain uh, by the Ottoman Empire, you know, several hundred years ago, but still that remaining a shared part of their history, then we have all these strategic connections. That's exactly right. We're just, we're not discounting the, the individual, regardless of race. You know, uh, like I said, I want to encourage the, the you know, because you're going to probably have a predominant audience right now listening that is a white American born and raised. And so I don't want to discount them at all. If they have a mission call, and even if they have a mission call to a Middle Eastern country, that, that is God on their lives. And we've seen tremendous work being done by Americans in those countries. All I'm pointing out, and as you pointed out, Travis, is that there's a strategicness. In Latin America, not, not we don't want the the American missionary, United States, to look as Latin America as being the mission field only to go and help and serve and yeah, those are great stuff to do. But we want to begin looking at them just as you said as a strategic partner in mission. No longer looking at them as a mission field, but we need to look at them as a potential mission force that we can mobilize, assist, train, and and even travel with you know, uh, into these countries that they're going to be strategic and help them raise up and rise up uh, as, as missionaries to these nations. Right. Now, Mitch, you traveled with us to Honduras in last year in 2016 and again this year in 2017. And how did these trips impact your work with Latinos towards fulfilling the Great Commission? Mm. Well, I have to say that that your work in Honduras specifically – uh, in, in the area of Maceba. If you've been there like 13 years, you've been working in Honduras, and, and, and that's been moving from uh, uh, Kasuna area into Maceba. You've developed great relationships, and I so appreciate that. So I just want to put that up front. You've done tremendous work, and I'm always grateful to travel with missionaries like you 
who have taken the time to build relationships with the local churches. You don't come in there and just do your own thing and expect churches to just join in what you're doing, but you go around and you see what do the churches need, how can I help, how can I assist, man. Uh, I'd like to multiply that uh, attitude and vision among all missionaries. But your specific question Thank regarding you. how did this impact Latinos? Well, I, every time I come to Honduras and, and, and twice now with you up there in La Ceiba, I see the continual inputting into the, the pastors. You know, it, as you and I have talked before many a times, it's not just going into one nation or one city and, bam, we have an eight-hour, 16-hour conference. The pastors are, ha- you know, they got global pathway now. We dust our hands off and we move on to the next one. No, it's just as you have demonstrated through your ministry, it's a continual opportunity for us to develop relationship. And through that relationship, we walk through these steps with the pastor. And so last year and this year, as we continue to introduce missions and continue moving missions, I think it was last year you were advertising the, the first missions conference in La Ceiba, you know, uh, that these pastors who are, again, godly, awesome pastors, I mean, uh, they rival anything that, that would happen here in the States that's called megachurches. I mean, these pastors are on fire, whether they're small and little or whether they're huge uh, churches. They, they all have a passion for Jesus. Now, as we get behind them and their passion for Jesus, all we need to do is insert and assist them to see the mission call for them, that they have the potential, that they have the opportunity. So these last two trips, just to see where pastors are and, and, and how they're beginning to look at missions and, and realize the strategicness in that they can be strategically involved and that they can mobilize their people for missions. Man, it just excites my heart as I begin to see them chasing after the goal of reaching the nations. Man, that's awesome. And Mitch, let me just say, I appreciate your kind words and we have appreciated so much having you on our teams. You always bring so much value uh, into the cultures that we're working in. And like I said, in these two trips specifically in, in La Ceiba, Honduras, uh, let me shift gears just a little bit. I want to ask you maybe a little bit more of a personal question because, as mm. you know, being being a missionary, being in ministry full time, uh, that's a that's not just Mitch. That has to do with the whole family, and and you know you're a, you guys are a family of six, and uh, so as a missionary, I'm sure you travel quite a bit. How has the the travel impact? You know, you being away from the home, uh, how's that Im- impacted your family? Well, anytime we travel away from the family, uh, you know, there's there's potential for negative negativity of dad being absent from the home. Uh, so those those things are definitely there, even as a missionary traveling. Uh, you know, I consider myself to be an international missions mobilizer, so I travel to different nations, been to 27 different nations over the course of these last uh, these last 20 years, and and every trip that I take to to different nations or repeated nations. You know, I try. The, the best thing we can do is take our kids with us. And so each of our kids have traveled internationally, and, and, and that international travel has affected Great. them, you know, in their passion and desire for the nation. You know, so as we are making disciples in all nations, one of the key areas to make disciples is in our own family. So if I fail at making disciples in my own yeah. kids, then, then, then I'm really not doing a too good of a job of making disciples and, 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 and that kind of stuff. So we try to take them every time we go, and we, we want them to follow in our footsteps. We want them to, to get a, catch a vision for 
missions and international and why daddy travels away from the house, why mommy and daddy travel sometimes without the kids is because God's called us to do something in another nation that is strategic, that we want to be a part of, that, that God is, is moving in our lives, and the kids understand us. You know, and, and as the kids begin, get, got older and began traveling with us and saw what we do, man, now they're passionate. They're excited about it. You know, they, they want to be involved in it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's so, – And are they yeah. – are, I mean, how are, how are your kids getting involved in missions at their various ages? Well, each of my kids have traveled. My oldest 21-year-old boy, he's traveled to Puerto Rico, Guatemala, and Mexico. And uh, he's been talking even recently, Travis, this is great. He's been, tra- he's been talking recently about wanting to go back to Guatemala where he was touched and impacted. Wow. He wants to, wants to go back and, 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 you know, help there and, and work there. And so he's got to get a lot of things lined up in his life. Uh, he wants to finish college and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, it, it's going to be a, a, long, a long trail for him. But he's still got that heart in him because of what he saw personally take place on trips with dad. You know, Brianna, our 18-year-old. That's awesome. You know, she, she's gone to Peru twice, Puerto Rico, and now she's signed up uh, to be a missionary with our organization, Go to Nations, here in Jacksonville. She's gone through the uh, preliminary training uh, regarding raising funds as a missionary, and she began the process of doing that just for her training, which is mobilization and uh, preparation orientation class for missionaries. And she, she's now uh, going to be taking that at the end of August and become a certified wow. or, you know, uh, missionary with Go to Nations. And so she's going to be part of the she's going to be part of the short term division here, helping to lead short term trips. And then when she finishes college, we'll see where that takes her. You know, she loves the nations. Uh, she's going to she's about to move out, Travis. Get this, she's moving out. She signed in a lease uh, yesterday or today. She signed a lease on an apartment with two other friends, and she wants to decorate her room in the maps of the world, you know, all the nations. You can have <laughs> That's awesome. all paper wow. the world. Different, she's got the, um, you know, uh, the, the persecuted church maps, you know, up on her wall, uh, these kind of things. So that's yeah. great. And then uh, the next child, Jaden, is 11 years or uh, 13 years old. She's been to Puerto Rico, Hong Kong, the Philippines, Colombia. And, you know, even on her trip to Colombia, this was her fourth nation that she's been to. And she leans over to me, and we're in this tight back seat of the of this truck, and you know how it is in different nations. Traffic is crazy, and buses, and pollution, and people walking everywhere. Crowded cities. We're coming down the mountain of Bogota, and she leans over to me, and she whispers to me, and she said, "Dad, I just love getting to learn cultures. I just want to do this the rest of my life." So, <laughs> That's awesome. Difference of people and to share and to be a part of work and another culture. She loves it. And then our 11 year old, Alyssa, she's been to Puerto Rico, she's been to Hong Kong, she's been to Philippines, she's been to Colombia. She's helped me with a conference in Puerto Rico when she was just about five years old. It was crazy. But she loved, wow. loved you know, she loved it. And it was, she has a little kids, Operation World. And we turn to that thing, and we pray for different nations when they're putting her to sleep, and, and, and we call out different nations, and we've done this with all of our kids. And, and so they understand as, as we gather for prayer, whether it's for a dinner prayer or a time of prayer before bedtime, we're lifting up nations, you know, and we're, and we're praying for the strategic things. And then when my kids hear on the news, when we're on the radio or whatever, and they hear something happen in other countries, they, they're connecting internationally, that it's not just about them. 
and their little world and their little church and, and their little thing going on. But no, man, they got a global perspective, and that's what we want our kids to have. Man, that's awesome. Hey, let me ask you this. Uh, that's so great that you've been able to to travel but not allow the travel to be as much of a negative thing but more of a way of of a connection point and involving your children and, and your family into the work of the Great Commission. You know, those specific callings on people's lives, those come from God. But like you said earlier, the, the work of the Great Commission is for everybody, everybody who calls himself a believer at any Amen. age. I mean, we, we wholeheartedly believe that, uh, that at any age that a person says, hey, I believe in Jesus, man, they are they're brought right into the Great Commission as well. Uh, I know we have a lot of parents uh, on here who are listening to this. Um, you know, we have a lot of, you know, young people, older people, you know, kids, teenagers. So if someone's listening and they wanted to start pursuing work as a cross-cultural missionary, how would you advise them to, to get started? Whether it's a parent, you know, thinking on this for their children. My children are expressing an interest in world missions. How, how can I get them started? Or myself. You know, I'm listening to you talk and man, something's going on in my own heart, my own life, and, and maybe God's pulling me in this direction, or I'm a believer in Jesus, and I hear what you're saying about the Great Commission, so that's for me to be a part of, too. How would you encourage somebody to get started from, I'm at the position of desire, what do I do next? Well, Travis, I, you know, that is always our heart to have people, you know, the curiosity that begins with international missions in the world. And, and we even teach, uh, you know, through a program we call Steps to the Mission Field. How does a missionary come from a pew sitting in a church or a family all the way to eventually their missionaries full-time in another nation, learning a language and a culture? And so we teach this thing that it, it starts with curiosity. And then that curiosity leads to interest. And then interest leads to the desire for understanding and then that understanding leads to assurance, and then assurance grows into conviction, and then conviction leads to commitment. And you can see even by the story you, you asked me to share about my own personal walk with Lord, uh, with the Lord, and, and then and then to how did I get involved in missions? It, it was that exact same thing: curiosity, interest, understanding, assurance, conviction, and then commitment. Uh, and, and that's the same process for whether they're young people, uh, children, teenagers, young adults, married couples. Is that Let's begin to explore that curiosity. And so what I would, one of the first things I would suggest that they can do right now is, is order the Operation World Book, which is a, a, a daily plan of praying for the nations. And they provide in that Operation World statistical analysis, information, background, languages, and then prayer points of that certain nation. They have children's versions of it, and they have adult versions. And, it, and what is so wonderful is that, as we pray with our kids through this and as we study it, as we read it and, and look at it, we begin to see from, from a, a, a researcher's view what the spiritual climate is of that nation, if you will. Understand what God's already doing, what he's, uh, it looks like he's about to do, and we're going to pray and press into those things. And we begin to cry out for the salvation of those kids and those nations uh, and, the, and, the, and the churches mobilizing those nations. One of the things I remember when my son, who's now 21, uh, J.K., when, when he was a little boy, about five, six years old, we're praying through Operation World, and even though we were going to another nation, 
he kept wanting to go back to North Korea. And we go back to North Korea, and we wow. look at the pictures, and he point to it again, and he he want to pray for the North Koreans. That was one of the nations God was putting on his heart at a very young age. Now, I don't know what that seed planted in his heart is going to be, but uh, as we continue to, to, to pray for him and his direction and his vision for, for, the, for the nations, what is that going to come to? You know, Brianna, ever since she was a young girl, has had a heart for China and Latin America. And so uh, we had a Chinese missionary, and she sent us back cards and things like that. Brianna, as a young, eight, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old girl, would have, have this little postcard of China on her, uh, you know, on her wall. And then when, when one of the missionaries came back and she was able to meet them, and she's just a little kid, you know, but meet them and hear that, that, that spurred her into the desire to, okay, I'm going to travel to Peru. She's been learning Spanish. Still wants to go to Asia, but that may be in the future. But but she went where she was able to go, and that was Peru with a youth group ministry, and she did a phenomenal job there sharing her testimony. She's still learning Spanish. She wants to learn it as a full second language, you know, things like that. And, and, and so what I say is get into prayer, increase that curiosity, increase that interest, and, and just slowly take your step. And one of the best things, Travis, as you know, is taking a short-term trip internationally. Make the smells and the sights and the sounds and the language and the food, not just hearsay, not just secondhand, not somebody else's stories, not some book that you're reading, but actually get on the ground there in other nations and see what the things that you could possibly do uh, to help, to to see what can be, uh, you know, what God is doing in your own life through that trip and what he's doing with you and through you and in you as you travel to other countries, you know, we know that what 80% of full-time missionaries received their missionary call while they're on a short-term trip. So they actually were on the ground praying and seeking Jesus for what the people there and God called them to to ministry. That's the same thing that happens in our missionaries with go to nations. Many of them received the call when they were traveling on a short-term trip somewhere else, and God just began moving in their hearts. So they took another trip and then another one, and then they thought, man, I, I'd like to do this full-time. And just like I did, you know, uh, saying, Lord, I, I want to go. You know, I want to do this. I want to I help unreached people. I want to help mobilize the church. I want to do this thing. And though it took many years from that, that day that I was in the top of a, a Regent's Hall there at the, at the building and looking down and seeing the missions conference going on, to now that I finally became a full-time missionary, if you will. But I did, I kept taking trips. I kept taking my kids. I kept praying for the nations. I kept instilling passion and vision to others. And eventually, uh, God called me to full-time work within this ministry. Man, that's awesome. Mitch, I so appreciate you taking some time out to spend with us, with us today. You know, you guys, yourself, Dr. Jerry, um, just the whole team there at Go To Nations is doing such a fantastic job. And I know there will be people who listen today who could just really connect with your heart uh, and, and, and have appreciated the stories you've shared and the, the things that you've taught us. And if there's anybody listening who wanted to further connect with you directly, how would they do that? If someone wants to get in touch uh, with you, how, how is that possible? Well, they can definitely jump on the Go to Nations website. I think if you just type in Go to Nations into any Google uh, browser, uh, it'll take you to our 
main web page, and there you'll see, you know, all the agency, what we're doing. But if you look under staff, you can find me there, uh, my bio, and then that'll take you to my page where there's, you know, all kind of stuff on well, things that I've written, things that I have uh, been involved in, uh, some things like that, and then also a video that we have produced recently of what Michelle and I do in training, specifically training leaders, uh, whether they be missionaries, pastors, or, or, or um, international leaders. We've, that video talks about training and leading people in that direction. So, yeah, they can connect with me. Uh, further information, questions, love to visit with what's you. That, what's that website? What's the GoTo Nations yep. URL? Yep. It's uh, www. The, go, the GoTo Nations. Uh-huh. Dot go to nations altogether dot org. www dot go to nations g o t o n a t i o n s dot org. That is it. And then that'll take you to our, our main landing page, and it's it's been recently redone with a video starts rolling there. Man, it's just a beautiful. Thing. And then up in the right, you can see the pull-down menus, and you look for staff, and you'll see us there. It'll just—it's you know—it's just a wonderful website right now that they did. That's really good. You know, up in up in the right-hand corner, it's got who, what, where, how, and then donate. And if you just look up uh, any of that, you got under there: short-term trips, field offices, strategic focus, projects that are happening, articles that we've written. Uh, under the WHO, you have all about our missionaries, our partnerships, and our staff. The staff is those who work in the world headquarters here in Jacksonville, Florida, where we are a base set in Jacksonville, Florida. That's awesome. Mitch, let me ask you one last question. We've been asking this question all week, and uh, we're, we're once again kind of making it the question of the day today. Uh, but what are you listening to? Is there a particular song? Is there a particular album, a podcast, uh a speaker, somebody that that lately is, is that you've just been kind of stuck on. What do you, what have you been listening to lately? <laughs> oh man, I have been hooked on John Piper, who's one of my heroes. He's not a missionary, but brother, he's done more for the cause of missions uh, than I think than any other pastor that I know personally. And uh, John Piper, he has a whole channel called Desiring God, and his books, man, his books, his podcast, his web teaching, all that stuff. I, I love John Piper. And one of the best things that I've, I've turned my kids on to it, actually, is called Don't Waste Your Life. And John Piper does this at a big Urbana conference, I think, or, or Urbana conference, te- teaching, uh, preaching to all these, you know, millennials and young adults. And he says, don't waste your life. And he goes into about an hour in this sermon that is just, just, will rock your world, man. If anybody can turn on John Piper, don't waste your life. Just type it in on YouTube, and it'll be an incredible, incredible thing. So, yeah, that's the I love John Piper. That's awesome, man. Hey, Mitch, once again, thank you so much for your partnership with Connect Global. We so, so appreciate the fact that you would come along with us, that you would travel with us. Uh, just share your years of wisdom and knowledge and, and insight with us on our trips, you know, last year, this year, and the other things that we've done and the things we're looking forward uh, to get through together, uh, you know, back in Honduras. As, as you know, some doors are opening for us in Cuba, and we're just excited to work together in, in all of those locations. Um, and thanks for taking some time out today. Uh, you know, I know you gave us a big chunk of your time and a big chunk of your heart, and we just really appreciate that. 
Guys, if you're listening here uh, on the Anchor channel, we just want to invite you to call in. If you have any questions or comments uh, about anything that was shared through this conversation, just hit that call-in button and join us. We'd love to involve you in the conversation. That's one of the great things about the Anchor app here is that it's so simple. It's down on the bottom left-hand side of your screen. Hit that call-in button. Leave us a little message. I promise we will respond to that. If you want to get in touch with Mitch directly, again, that website is gotonations.org. And uh, lastly, let's carry that question of the day. What are you guys listening to? Give us a call in. We'd love to hear the podcasts that are really resonating with you, the other anchor channels uh, that are resonating with you. Or if there's a song, if there's a particular album, something like that, uh, we'd love to just get that going and uh, hear what you guys are listening to. So with that, we'll close it out. Mitch, once again, thank you so much uh, for your time and for your hard work for fulfilling the Great Commission here in the United States and around the world. Amen, brother. Appreciate your ministry, all that you guys are doing with Connect Global around the world, and uh, so appreciate getting a chance to travel with you and teach alongside you, brother. Awesome. God bless you, Mitch. Take care, everybody. some of the evidences of what God was doing. Um, I was a very mediocre teenage poet and published a poem in our high school literary magazine called Leaves of Grass. And the poem was written from the perspective of an old man looking back and my reason for liking this verse I'm going to read you is not, not the quality of the poetry at all, but the fact that it revealed the weight I was feeling starting in the 11th grade. So it's a year later, and here's one verse from that mediocre teenage poem. Long I sought for earth's hidden meaning, long as a youth was my search in vain. Now as I approach my last year's waning, my search I must begin again. And the overwhelming sense that I had was, that's just not going to happen to me. I'm not going to come. I'm 66 now. I'm not going to get to my 66th year and look back and say, I never could figure this out. I don't really know why I was here. No united purpose, no lasting vision, just a big question mark. And limping along every day, intending to be as happy as I could be and not get into too much trouble so that I could make something of these few years. So I resolved, that's just not going to happen. I'm not going to come to the end and say, I could never figure this out. I must figure this out. And, and for me, the word was why, and I discovered very quickly that to figure out the why of my existence, I had to know the meaning of why. The, the English word why 